Welcome to the Nerd Enthusiast Music Podcast, where today we're going to be discussing Prince. On the show, we have a whole panel of people. With me, as always, is John. John, welcome back. You had a little bit of a hiatus there. We've had some issues recording, if you guys haven't noticed, but uh, we are getting back on track with our music stuff now. So, John, welcome back. It's great to be back. Thanks, Matt. No problem. John, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SloopJ232 and on Instagram at SloopJohn232. Frank, you, your second appearance here on the uh, music podcast. You did our interview with Lil Maceo. Welcome back to the show. Absolutely. So third appearance, you forgot my Led Zeppelin one. Oh, I did forget Led Zeppelin. He's not ah, good. see, that's what oh, we're here right. for, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> All good, but both of them were awesome. Enjoyed being on. Heck yeah. Frank, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at FLD15. And for his second appearance, Wes, welcome back to the show. You were on here with Lil Maceo before, and we discussed some Prince then, and yet we're talking about Prince again, so... You here I am, here. man. Here I am. So just one of the two favorite the things I like Guru. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a, a West-heavy episode for sure. And Wes, where can people find you at? You can find me on Instagram at Grendel5XBX. Wes, that would have been a great time to say, I've changed my name from Wes to a symbol right there. That would have been perfect. That would have been the artist, just spot on. The artist formerly the, known as Wes. There you go. <laughs> That would have been just perfect. Would you be on like the platform formerly known as Instagram? What would you be on, like MySpace or something? Is that where you'd have to <laughs> Real quick sidebar. I remember in uh, WCW back in the day when they changed Prince Iakea's name to the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jesus. Which outlet was that? Was that WCW? That was WCW. That was that yeah, was, that was like WCW. WCW. <laughs> we, we always say there's there was good WCW and then there was bad WCW. That was part of the bad WCW. As soon as you said it, I knew it had to be them. I would have bet my life on it. Uh, I'm Matt. You guys can follow me uh, on Twitter at from NJ to CA. The two is a number two. Um, before we get started, I just want to mention, if you guys like what you hear today, please uh, consider supporting us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash nerdthusiast. You guys can donate as little as a dollar a month. Uh, everything you guys uh, donate over there goes right back into making our shows bigger and better, provides us with equipment, and you can get uh, ad-free early access to our shows, exclusive episodes, all sorts of stuff. So please consider supporting us over there. We definitely appreciate it. Just like you, Juan. Juan, shout out to you. Thank you for your support this month. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Juan. Thank you. All right, guys. Let's hop into the show. Prince. Prince Rogers Nelson. Interesting name, but a king amongst kings, or a prince amongst princes, I suppose. Prince made 42 studio albums before his passing. Because We say that because they're still going to be releasing his music uh, where, you know, where he has a vault of content. It'll be coming out throughout the years, but 42 studio albums. I can't even comprehend, like, most bands don't even make, like, 10 or 15, 42. That's a lot. That's a lot of albums. And you're talking an individual who did most of it himself, too. So it's not just, like, you know, bands. Obviously, most of them are three, four, five, several people. Uh, you're talking an individual who did all that. 
and and when you when you really think about it, forty two, and th- and get yeah, like you just mentioned, that number is gonna cro- that number is gonna grow. It's probably close to a hundred. For being honest, that vault, who knows how much stuff is in there. Well, I know man was- there was always this this big rumor that his vault had so much music that he can release an album a year for the next thirty years. I believe it. No, I completely of, believe it. That's you, a lot of music. I mean, Paisley Park was a very he was very active there, man. Very active. So he made forty two studio albums. He has, as Wes just mentioned, potentially a new album every year for the next thirty years, which is an insane amount of music. But the guy was a musical genius. Frank, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, I can't remember the exact number. How many instruments did you mention? Ah, uh, I think it was. 32, somewhere in that ballpark, 2430. I, I remember seeing that a long time ago, um, and I was just amazed. And I found out that on some of his albums, he actually went back and did every track. And I know Wes knows from being a, a, a big time yeah. fan, but he did every track with several instruments um, on albums by himself, which to me is amazing. I mean, and I know when we did the Lil Maceo piece, Lil Maceo was like, when people in the band were, you know, playing for him, he'd be like, no, no, no. I want it to sound like this. And then he'd play, he'd grab the instrument and do it himself. I was like, that, that's just tremendous talent. Like you think about that, um, you know, that, that just amazes me more than, more than anything. And I'm a huge fan, but that, that alone amazes me. Oh yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where there's like, drummers that will tell you that the two best drummers they've ever listened to are Prince and Stevie wonder. And they're not people that are, you know, associated wow. with that instrument, but they just understand music so well that, you know, they're savants. Yeah. Cause you figure his early albums, he would go and record each instrument. And then on the second track, record a totally different instrument. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And on all the vocals, all the background vocals, that's insane. And at that point, too, he was very young. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was a 20-plus-year musician. Like, you know, a lot of guys learn an instrument. Later on, they might learn something else or, you know, uh, adjust over their career. He was a teenager and mm-hmm. early 20s when he did this. I mean, yep. you know, we're talking, you know, uh, young, obviously uh, – early in his career prince was like truly truly an original um i mean i mean the 80s when i mean when prince when prince really like uh you know hit the scene it was tons of excess the 80s was the 80s was a different time it wasn't it wasn't as uh geared towards musicianship that had kind of i mean even i was just talking about stevie wonder stevie wonder in the 80s was a for a former shell of himself it wasn't everybody was just kind of you know synth rock i mean prince was obviously into that but there's prince just displaying musicianship at like a whole other level and really bringing appreciation to musicianship i think his sound was very unique too i mean um you know and you guys know i i dj'd a lot in the 80s and certain individuals and groups stuck out as having their like listen everybody had their own sound but a lot of those sounds grouped pretty comfortably you know what i mean mm-hmm. there was dance music that kind of grouped com- comfortably there was some you know new wave type music that 
went comfortably. There were certain groups and certain individuals that I thought were just unique. And I thought, me personally, unique Prince was one of those. Uh, you know, I thought Earth, Wind & Fire was one of those where they were, they had their own sound. You'd hear them in different genres, but they had their own sound. Um, and I, I, you know, I, as an individual, I think Prince was probably the most unique 80s, you know, call it what you want, dance music, whatever. But he, he had his own unique sound. There was nothing really close to it, in my opinion. No, I mean, he wore his, I mean, he wore his influences on his sleeve. He was very proud of his influences. But Absolutely. It was his, it was his own sound. It was 100% his own sound. Uh, you can hear it. I mean, even when you listen to, uh, pieces of music that I'm sure we'll talk about, like uh, songs that were written by Prince made famous by other people. You hear them and you go, Oh, that sounds like a Prince song. Oh, <laughs> why? Oh, Prince wrote it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Cause you can hear it. You can hear it. There's yeah. a, there's a cadence to, to Prince's music that you don't, you don't hear in other things. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. His, his music, you know, it's, it's, you can definitely identify it. Like as soon as you say it, you're like, oh, I get it. That's Prince. Like the first time someone told me uh, on on Bad, they were like, oh, the guitar on Bad for Michael Jackson, like the song Bad, is uh, Eddie Vedder. Or not Eddie Vedder. Oh, my God. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> this computer and punch you. The show. <laughs> so I realized who the fourth person that has to leave now is. So. <laughs> Eddie Vedder. Eddie, Eddie Van Halen. Don't confuse the great one, the great Eddie Van Halen with Eddie Vedder. Anyway, I, I like yeah, you Eddie can, Vedder a lot. It's definitely as soon as you uh, hear that it, wasn't a that wasn't an Eddie Vedder uh, cut down, was it, John? Oh yes, uh, I like McDonald's too. <laughs> really? He doesn't like Pearl Jam. I uh, wow, I didn't you know what. We're gonna have to do a whole nother show on that then, because. I'm a I'm a Pearl Jam fan, so yeah, I call them McDonald's. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Van Halen fan too, though. So I mean, anyway, Van Halen bad. Anyway, Eddie Van Halen played the guitar track on that. As soon as you hear you hear the Eddie Van Halen, oh, of course that's Eddie Van Halen. Has to, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. You're either like it's either like it's either oh this is Eddie Van Halen or this is somebody doing a really good job doing a Eddie Van Halen knockoff. And, no, but that's the same. That's the same. But that's the same thing with. Uh, that's the same thing with. Uh, with Prince, I'll bring up. I'll bring up one of the one of the songs that uh, I'm thinking of. Obviously, Manic Monday, which the Bangles mm-hmm. made a huge, massive hit. Um, yep. I remember when I found out that was written by Prince. And now, no, most people when they hear that are like, "Oh, really? That's crazy." Me, I was like, "Oh." That makes that makes, makes sense. complete sense. I can yeah. I can hear it. I can hear the prince. Da, 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 da. Like it's 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 his cadence. So it's like either when you heard it, it was it would have either been one or two things. It would either have been the Bangles being like, let's make a song that sounds like Prince, or Prince wrote it for him, which is clearly what happened. And then finally, one of that was one of the that was one of the first vault releases was the Prince studio version of of manic monday which manic monday. never yeah. saw the light of day and his what's crazy about the prince stuff from that vault which i always find amazing is that you could be a prince bootleg completist 
And there's going to be stuff that comes out of that vault that you've never heard before. And that doesn't happen in a lot of fandoms. Uh, normally it's like, you know, somebody can get a whole, somebody can get their hands on something. That Prince Manic Monday was nowhere to be found. <laughs> that was like Christmas when that, that was like Christmas for me when that dropped. Yeah. I haven't heard that version from my, you know, his version of the song yet. I'll have to go check that out. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's the same, but it's different because you have, him singing it. I'm sure he throws some of those high pitched awesome. screams in there and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome because it because because he's like he'd write these songs for people and you're like and they're mega hits and you're like man, Prince is such a nice guy. He didn't he he, he was like oh, I I don't need it. I'm sure he got a couple dollars out of it. Yeah, I'm sure he got a no, few he got dollars. No, he got a lot of royalties. He got a lot. He got a lot of royalties. Yeah. So Wes, earlier we were talking about you know Prince's music, and you were mentioning that he has this ability to turn anything into a song. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, it just kind of goes to show his like musical genius. I know a few examples that pop to mind. Uh, he has uh, he, someone bet him that he couldn't turn just random words into a song, and he <laughs> took that challenge. And so they threw the words "la la la," he he he. <laughs> he takes those words, he goes in the studio, out comes that song, a full song, which turns out to be the B-side on Sign of the Times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> la, 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 he, he, he. Um, and then To Whom It May Concern, it was, it's a full-fledged song promoting his Love Symbol album, but it's a full song. <laughs> It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and then another one that pops into my mind on the Sign of the mm -hmm. Times album, there was a song called Starfish and Coffee, which someone someone was talking to him about a little girl that had autism before they diagnosed it at autism. And, you know, she would go around and saying starfish and, and pee pee. So he took that and changed that, you know, the ending to, to coffee. But the song is about this girl, this story he heard about this little autistic girl. So, like I said, just to take the ability to take random things and turn them into a song. And yo, that's genius. That's total genius. It is genius. And that's one of the things that uh, separates uh, Prince from a lot of people is that he's we already talked about his musicianship. But man, he was a great songwriter. And that's not mm -hmm. always that they don't always go hand in hand. You have you have some people who are great songwriters, aren't much much of musicians, and then vice versa. You have people mm -hmm. that are these classically trained musicians, and they couldn't come up with a melody if their life depended on it. Prince could just just understood melody, just understood and good lyricist too. I mean, the guy was just all around anything, anything pertaining to music. He just really understood. Total, so I can see package. how he could just, yeah, he could just come up with anything. You know, I, I made breakfast today, and there he is writing a song. <laughs> you know? Writing a song about breakfast, <laughs> and it's a hit. I mean, breakfast is the best meal of the day. So <laughs> it is. More, more so. I bet you there's more songs written about breakfast than any other meal of the day. Oh yeah, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a given. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look that up this week. That's gonna be probably. My, uh, <laughs> I can. I, I bet you there is. 
That's your job. I bet you they're all like sexual too, like pancakes and waffles, but like (laughs) all sexualized. (laughs) Legs and eggs. There there you go. (laughs) Stick to you like maple syrup. (laughs) That's our next podcast we're going to do. Sexual sexual breakfast songs. Food in you, breakfast innuendo. Breakfast innuendos, nice. I think we're onto something. Everybody loves to talk about food, so this might be the next show. There we go. Let's talk about Prince's earliest days. So I wasn't aware of this. I'm learning new stuff all the time. I didn't know a lot about Prince going into this, but uh, he started out in a band called Ninety Fourth East. What can you guys tell me about that band? Because I know very little about it. You know, all I know, it was it, they did one CD. It was a local band, and he played, you know, backup instruments for this group. But once he blew up and became super popular, of course, everybody tried to go back and find anything that he's attached to and and put this out, found this and put it out. Um, the, the, the album is early early 70s i guess the group or late 70s when the group formed so it's it's really early stuff his debut record was what 78 78 it's like 78 mm-hmm. yeah and he had a i mean prince prince kind of had a uh i mean when, when he when he hit it was one of those things like he was considered to be like one of the more exciting artists of the late 70s um, it took a few years before uh, mainstream really caught on, but uh, Prince was already a Prince was already a draw, you know, as far as uh, attention in the music world in the by, by the late, you know, when he first hit the scene in the late seventies. It didn't take him long to find an audience. No, I definitely agree. He had a he once he hit, he found that that niche, um, and and people just kind of gravitated towards him. You know, but not everybody, I guess, understood him or liked it. Like when he was booed off the stage when he opened up for the Rolling Stones. That's, yeah, who would I mean, but you got, I know you it's a different remember, crowd. No, but it's it's not even it's not even that. It was also the climate we were in in the in the in in the early eighties. It was a different time. It wasn't. I mean, if if uh, if Prince opens for the Stones in the sixties and seventies he doesn't get booed off the stage. You know, there was that crossover with like a, you know, you'd find James Brown on a bill with the Rolling Stones and it would go over well, but the early eighties were a weird time. It was, it was almost like we had like reverse segregation again. Like it was, it was, it was weird. It was a weird time. And Prince kind of, Prince kind of broke that down. Prince, Prince was a big part of breaking that down. Obviously Michael was a part of that. Um, Rick James was another, even though he was kind of shut out, but, there, it was it was a different time, and Prince was kind of a very very big part of breaking that mold, that wall there's that was someone, kind of like put up again. Yeah, as someone who grew up uh, in the eighties myself, um, the there was definitely a kind of a segregation, and I never really thought about it as much until you bring it up. But there was definitely some music segregation to some degree. Um, whereas prior and after there was definitely more kind of combination of things, you know, you had your uh, stuff earlier, you know, your events where, you know, it was love and peace in the sixties and, you know, and then later on, you know, you know, much later you had your, uh, uh, you had your events where you had all different types of music, musical groups playing together 
like Live Aid and things like that. So, but in between, there was definitely some splitting. You know, there was definitely yeah, some it, it was, segregation it, it, for sure. It it was almost like we took. It was almost mm-hmm. like. Uh, I mean, I always say that we kind of. Uh, I, I don't want to get all my soapbox here, but we tend to move slowly as a society, but at least we move forward. But there are times when we take steps back, and I would think uh, the late seventies, early eighties, sure. we definitely we definitely took a step back as a culture, and thankfully we had artists like uh, Prince that kind of. <clears throat> would eventually transcend that bridge the gap a little bit for sure yeah so his first record came out uh 78 uh the the uh for you record which mm-hmm. which like i said it, it did find an audience there it, there were uh people that were into it but his his next record is self-titled that goes to like 20 on the charts which you know for an album you know for for a second record that's pretty impressive at, during that time and how old was he at that point he was 1921 20, 21. yeah so i was just say he was still a, obviously a very young guy at that point i can't imagine being popular like that at 21 like that's <laughs> no no <laughs> he had like the world at 21 you were you were sleeping on my couch at 21 i probably was i'm pretty sure i was you were. You were sleeping on my couch at Maybe 21. Maybe not 21. <laughs> it might have been earlier. I think I might have been like 20 or 19. I don't know. All right, well, I was young. The, the, you know the point. The point. You know the point. It wasn't was far off, Matt. When you were sleeping on my couch. That's what it was. But you were, but yeah, I mean, I, I could have okay, been Prince. Make a bunch of like hit records and were sleep on John's couch. I just chose sleep on John's couch. I don't understand what the problem is. And, and there was some merit to that. John had a nice couch. So, you know. An interesting sidebar on that. So Matt, Matt's nickname was the guy on the couch. Matt is still in my phone 20 years later nice. as the guy on the couch. Let me call the guy on the couch. Because my SIM That's card only because you didn't know my name for like months it. and you just like, whatever, that'll just be your name for a while. <laughs> and I just never changed it. Yeah, like, well, what's the point? It's fine. I, I know I know how to search for him. The guy. Yeah, there you are. It's all right. I don't think I knew your first name for like three years. I always called you by your last name. So, <laughs> so oh, you were John. I, I know, I know, I know John. A I know a lot of people like that. <laughs> I know a lot of people like that. People from college that are like, wait, I never knew your first name the entire time we went to uh, college. Everybody called you Brenner. That's why I'm not a, I don't, I never heard any, anytime somebody called you John, I'm like, who? What? Yeah, my mom so calls weird. me John. That's it. Actually, my mom doesn't even call me John. My mom calls me Patrick. She always calls me and my brother the wrong name. She calls him John and she calls me Patrick. So she doesn't even call me John. So the self titled hits, self titled. Self-titled did pretty well. Self-titled did pretty well. And then uh, he put out Dirty Mind, which didn't do as well as his self-titled. It was the next record. It Man, was that was the, my uh, most, that was, was like my favorite album, Dirty Mind. I love that yeah, album. It's a great record. It's a great record. And But when he puts out Controversy, that's kind of when Prince blows up. That's when people are like, True. oh, yeah. man. Absolutely. Mainstream yeah. starts to find him. Uh, yeah, Controversy was a big hit. And uh, what was that? That was eighty one. Yep, the year the year uh, the year I was born. <laughs> yeah, I have a uh, a nice bootleg controversy twelve inch single, which is kind of cool. I sent it over to West to check out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember when I, I remember when I first heard that, and I went 
Um, I think it went down to sound, uh, sound either sound of market in Philly or downtown Trenton and picked up the 12 inch copy and I asked for it. And the guy's like, well, yeah, I got one. And, and it was a bootleg copy. So, you know, at that point it was kind of like a cool thing. Not, a, not as much of a big deal now, but you know, it's like, Oh cool. It's a bootleg copy, you know? Um, and, um, I took it home and I was, I was like, and again, the first thing that hit me was just such a unique sound. Like, like I said, it wasn't like anything else that was out at the time. Definitely. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, it was, it was definitely ahead of its time. I mean, you could you can argue that that record kind of, uh, kind of shaped the decade almost in a lot of ways. <laughs> Prince, Prince basically, I mean, like we were talking about genre, genre bending. He basically took R and B and made it a whole different, completely different thing. It's almost like there's there's certain there's certain artists that you can almost just classify as their own genre. There is a genre that you could call Prince funk. There's For a lot sure. of imitators where you can be like, oh, all right, yeah, yes. just, you know, so that's some Prince funk. It <laughs> sounds like it's a band. I got, I, got some, I got some Prince funk on me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but you know what I mean, though. Like you, you, when you, like you know, when something else comes out, you know, that tries to sound like another popular artist, and you're like, yeah. like I always go back to it. And since we have to mention the band on every episode, Matt. Uh, it's like I always joke that like Weezer rock became a became a uh, genre in the '90s when there was all these bands that wanted to have like clever, goofy rock songs that they sound like they wrote in their dorm room. It was Weezer rock. There was Prince funk. Yeah, yeah. definitely, man. Don't put had, them um... in the same. Don't put them in the same sense, there, John. Come on. No, now. no, no. no I just, is, it's, it's, it's not what I. It's parallel. I know. I know yeah. I'm only kidding. It's, I'm it's, only kidding. It's, it's it's just like a thing that happens. It's like, uh, you know, it's Sabbath metal. You know, it, <laughs> you know when you when you think of like when you think of like you know the dirgy type slow dirgy metal. It's Sabbath metal. Now, I can't yeah. think of a better way to segue into talking about Prince's sexuality than talking about some Prince funk. Because that's another thing that you might get on you with Prince's sexuality. <laughs> oh, Prince funk. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, this is like a huge deal with Prince, at least in his early days, maybe not in his later days. But, um, right. you know, I mean, you could just look at a still image of him. And it's just beaming sexuality from that era, like those early days. <laughs> Performing in his bikini briefs. <laughs> That's it. That's all he would wear. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was marketing. It was, yeah, it was. It was funny because you had, you had him and then you had Rick James fighting as to like who was the most raunchier. <laughs> Rick James never did it for me though. I was I was a Prince guy all the way. I was James a fan is of both. one hell of a bass player, though, man. My God, he is one hell of a bass player. <laughs> I, uh, my friend, my friend Lila, uh, bought me a Rick James live DVD as like a gag birthday joke. It was like you know when the Chappelle skit was like the biggest thing in the world. What is the five fingers? Say to the face. <laughs> what? Slap. <laughs> I remember what. I remember, I remember one night, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to drink some beers and watch this Rick James DVD. And I was like, oh, shit. This is kind of awesome. <laughs> like, this is amazing. <laughs> that man is a hell of a performer. I was in. I was in. No, but I, I mean, I, I definitely team Prince all the way. But, yo, man, no, disc, no, no, uh, 
no disrespect to Rick James, man. That guy was awesome. And and my favorite thing about Rick James, and I I was a Rick James fan as well, but my favorite thing about Rick James was my favorite female singer of all time was Tina Marie, which he did a bunch of mm, stuff with her. Yeah. And I just yeah. love Tina Marie. She's like my favorite. And a lot of the duet stuff they did together was just ridiculous. Her her voice just always gave me chills. Uh, just just my favorite female singer of all time. But it, it, it felt like Prince and Rick James were in competition with each other. Like not only like who was the most raunchier, but Rick James was trying to do an all girl group. He came out with the Mary Jane girls. Mary Jane girls, sure. But then Prince threw out Vanity Six. Vanity, yeah. And because Nasty Girls was all over the place at that time. Well, the Mary Jane girls did well with you know in my house, and uh, you know they had a couple other lesser hits, but yeah, they absolutely absolutely were going back and forth. I mean, that just rises up your level, right? That's like. East Coast and West Coast rap in like the nineties. Like you got you got a rival, but it's with sexuality instead of instead of like Well listen, rivalries rivalries help rivalries help both sides. I mean, you know, as long as you're producing, they usually Mm -hmm. do. I mean, think about it. You know, you remember both, you know. Another thing that was uh, a controversy with Prince was he was publicly criticized for not participating in We Are the World session. This I mean I I think I was younger when this happened. I barely remember, but this was Michael Jackson's uh, coming together, right? He had like brought a bunch of artists together to do that. Right. Oh, I remember that. I remember that big time. He, uh, you know, like you said, it was a Michael Jackson thing. He got all these, you know, celebrities to come together and and sing, you know, the We of the World. Prince didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And he was, he, man, they crucified that, that man. But the funny thing is, like we talked about musical genius, he made a song about it. <laughs> and, and it's called Hello. And and on the song, he he tells him, he's like, I tried to tell him that I didn't want to sing, but I'll write a song for him instead. <laughs> and that's like the opening opening line to the song. So earlier we mentioned 94 East, Prince's, you know, basically first band. Um, Just Another Sucker was the first song that we put on our playlist. If you guys don't have our playlist, Go check out our social media. It's on there. I'll post a link in our description as well for you. It's a Spotify playlist. You guys can check out all these songs if you want to listen to them. The next song we're going to talk about is Little Red Corvette, which is on the album 1999. Yeah, I mean, 1999 was kind of, that was Prince's um, real big, that was his first, that, that album was his first big, huge mainstream hit. I mean, Double that double album. I, where, mm-hmm. where did it? Uh, where did it chart? Let's see here, it charted at number seven. Yeah, so it's, it was. It was. A, it sold a ton of records. I mean, you figure it, it, is, it charted at number seven for a double album at that time period. That's a lot. Oh yeah, it, and, it, and it, it, it's 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 uh, it's it's quadruple platinum. It sold four million copies. <laughs> it was that, that that was his first platinum record, I believe. I, th- I think I think his previous two went gold. Uh, they're probably platinum now. At the, by the, I'm sure they're platinum by this point. But it, you know, for years they were gold records. This was his first like platinum upon release record. It probably, it probably debuted at ten and went higher. I mean, Prince was kind of a big deal here. I mean, we we were talking. I mean, you look at the singles on this record. I mean, obviously 1999, which the album is titled, uh, was a huge hit. But I mean, little Cor- little red Corvette was kind of his 
His, uh, I think that might have been his first number one, was it? I would Probably. guess. I would guess. You know, not, that's that's sure. the one song that I I'm not crazy about. I mean, it is what I mean. It is. I mean, it's it's it is what it is. I mean, it's uh, it's a good song. It's not. I mean, his you've, best. Heard it a, you've heard it a million. T- yeah, you've and you've heard it a it, million it, times. Exactly. My favorite song on on that double album is "Lady Cab Driver." I mean, <laughs> that's such a cool, just off the wall kind of odd is. song, and I I like that one on there myself. And it's got a great, it's got a great, just kind of casual beat and rhythm to it as well. I mean, yeah, I think one of my favorites off that album is, I would have to say, a song called "Let's Pretend We're Married." Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's a great song. It, it was, it was I a mean, very was, like rockabilly type love, of sound. Yeah, definitely a unique sound. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, uh, and that's the cool thing about a lot of his stuff. He had different sounds. He, he was unique, but he also had different sounds within his own sound. You know what I mean? You know, you sit there and go, yeah, I hear his voice, but that sounds a little different than kind of the normal flow of his music to some degree. Mm-hmm. And then going back to the sexuality aspect, the album closes off with closes up with uh, "International Lover." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, it, it, it's a great record. Um, and like I was saying, and I was saying to you uh, previously, I, I uh, upon upon uh, listening to more Prince as I got older, uh, Prince's discography and order. Uh, became more apparent to me. I always thought 1999 was later. I uh, I thought I thought it was post Purple Rain, but it was pre Purple Rain. He was working on Purple Rain as soon as he finished 1999. Speaking of 1999, yeah, I, mean, I mean that was clearly the biggest thing that came out of that album, right? Well, a uh, little red Corvette, but... little red Corvette, yeah. yeah. I mean, those were those were both huge uh, hits for him. You know, commercially. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like 1999 better than Little Red Corvette? I do. As a song? Just yeah. song versus song? I, I agree with Wes. I, I, I liked it 1999 better as a song. It had more usage. I mean, you know, we had we, we got to we got to Y2K <laughs> and that's all we heard exactly. for a whole year. A whole year. <laughs> oh, I think a whole year had- we had- Everywhere you were had that song on that that time. No everywhere, doubt. everywhere, everywhere. While we were all preparing for the apocalypse, and to keep the sexual theme, everybody had their buttholes super tight at that time, worrying about what the hell was going to happen at midnight. And then there was me. I didn't care at all. I was actually mad when nothing happened. I was like, "What? Like, come on! Why the heck? Biggest letdown ever." Uh, I was, I was convinced like nothing would happen. Club. Oh no! I, I thought was it was going to be the end of Flight Club. I thought all financial institutions were going to burn to the ground and we were going to be like uh, cannibals in the uh, that uh, movie, The Road. Prince had been putting out a uh, a record every year. He had been putting out a new record mm-hmm. every year. Uh, Purple Rain took longer because Purple Rain was this whole grand um, experiment. I'm going to make a movie. <laughs> like, I'm not just going to put out this amazing record that everybody's going to love with my biggest hits. I'm going to have an accompanying movie that is going to s- kill at the box office. Like, you go, Prince. 
Now, I know nobody, not all of you guys know the history, but Wes, is this where the picture of you looking like Prince came out? I'm guessing it was around Look, this man. era of Purple Rain. <laughs> it had to be around I, this time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Stop believing the lies, but yes. I'm going to get my hand on that photo at some time. I'm going to get my hand on that photo. And if I can get it from one of your friends or family, it's going to be in this <laughs> that episode. Was, uh, that, was, that, was, that was the time. It was because I was a little older. You know, I was like, uh, like fourteen, and yeah, that was that was. I I was always a big Prince fan anyway, but once Purple Rain came out, it was like okay, I want to be Prince when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> I want to be Prince. <laughs> what's, what's his grade school picture of like what he wants to be when he grows up, like crayons? It's. Tim in a purple, uh, purple leisure suit. <laughs> That's right. And 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 high heel shoes and uh, big big platform shoes. Amazing. All right. I love that. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be Prince. You want to be a prince? No, I don't want to be a prince. I want to be Prince. That's right. He had all the women. He was. I thought he was the, the coolest thing ever. His attitude. And like I said, the women he had, the women he dated, I'm like, oh, okay. I don't want to be a garbage man. I don't want to be a fireman. I want to be Prince. I That was it. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing I have to say about Prince. I mean, by the time Purple Rain comes out, uh, it is feasible for him to do this project because he is a massive, huge global star. But he's still, like, he never, he, he never, he didn't move... He didn't build a huge studio out in Los Angeles. Paisley Park's in Minneapolis. He films. He didn't film Purple Rain at the Whiskey. He filmed it at the First Avenue, which is the uh, you know the the cool music club in Minneapolis. Minneapolis had a really cool independent uh, music scene in the eighties. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of your punk rock bands that me and Matt talked about on another pa- podcast, like uh, the Replacements and Husker Du, who both in their uh, after Prince passed, uh, Paul Westerberg from The Replacements wrote a beautiful eulogy about uh, Prince. Uh, Bob Mould from Husker Du wrote this beautiful eulogy about Prince. Prince would go to their shows. Like, he was this massive star that could be, you know, living anywhere. And what's he doing? He's going to First Avenue to see The Replacements play. And that is, that's the coolest and he decided to film his movie there. And I just think, I, I think you got to give a big tip of the hat to Prince for being a guy who not only was this amazing musician, but he really appreciated music at its most fundamental level and was always supportive of up and coming artists. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. a conformist. Yeah. He, yeah, he did his own, he did his own thing. Yeah, I always heard he was a huge, huge fan of No Doubt. You know, he would always attend their shows. He was a huge, huge fan. So, yeah, I mean, he appreciated he appreciated music in general, and he definitely appreciated true artists and true musicians. Yeah, and and I mean, and and for these and for these local Minneapolis acts, he opened up Paisley Park to go to go record demos and sessions there. Like, there's a ton of bands that you know the Paisley Park sessions. And I mean, how cool is that? Like, you're sitting there, uh, you're sitting there laying down uh, guitar tracks, and Prince as it comes by to ask you how everything's going. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard it like when we talked to a little Maceo uh, for the other show, if you guys check that out, you know, he mentioned that when his band would play there, Prince was like the audio engineer. Like he wasn't sitting there like playing or anything. He was like making sure everything was sounding good, you know, doing all like the extra, you know, hard work that a lot of people don't want to do. And, you know, I'd imagine he was probably doing all that stuff for them too. Like, you know, audio engineering, all the recordings. Hands on guy. Just, just, and just like, I mean, somebody who like genuinely just lived and died music. Like that was his, that was his thing. Like, yeah, I mean, Purple Rain, sure, it was this uh, huge blockbuster and the album sold a billion copies. But for Prince, it was way more about the art. Like, he had this concept for Purple Rain. And, you know, I mean, it's something we're still talking about today and we'll be talking about long after we're gone. Yeah, I have fond memories of, of seeing Purple Rain in the movie theater. Like, I, I, I saw that movie... 47 times like paid 47, 47 every weekend i would go to the movies wow. see Purple rain and i'd sit wow. through multiple shows uh, i'd go to the first show and stay for like two or three shows but because it, it, it it stayed in the, in our local movie theater forever and i was there every weekend well you kept it there you're like this guy just keeps showing up so it's guaranteed sale every week it's like who's this kid that just keeps showing up every week they just had the envelope with Wes's name on it. They just handed right. it to him when he when your ticket. Oh, you again? <laughs> no, when when I was uh, I was in college at the time, and uh, you know, as a DJ, I had tons and tons of of vinyl, and I just remember playing. Like I would always listen to different stuff all the time because I had a lot of different things. I remember playing that album a lot and I was like, and I actually remember renting, renting the movie and I had my DJ speakers hooked up to our apartment up at college and I put the movie on and ran the music through my system so I can hear everything, you know, in a nice stereo sound. I, I, that's, I remember watching it there uh, up at college and it was kind of a cool thing. I mean, I remember the system, the speakers and everything else. So, and, uh, and I remember the bad acting, absolutely, to some degree as well. But like like John said, I mean, you know, just cool. He's like, hey, I'm 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 just gonna throw a movie out there too with this awesome soundtrack. I mean, and the soundtrack is just ridiculous. Every song on there, every song on there was unique and and you know, stood out individually on its own. So But you is- you know is you had, you crazy had... the best album opener? It's it's got to be up there, right? It's up there. It's my. It's, I, I, I know agree. it's like very mainstream, but it's my favorite Prince song. That song is so good. Really? It's so yeah, it's so song. good. <laughs> it's such a great song. It's such a it great is a great song. song. Even it's such a great song. That guitar is just the best. Uh, yeah, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, just just the opening the opening monologue. <laughs> we are gathered here today for this thing called life. Like that is some powerful shit, man. That's that's powerful. For sure. And yeah. I have I have a uh, I mean, we were talking about like how you watched uh, Purple Rain for the first time. If you remember when you were a kid and VHS was like the big thing, you had like mm-hmm. a million VHSs that had like three movies on them because your parents would just like would just <laughs> like put multiple things on there. Yeah. So I had 
I had one that for whatever reason, this is this is the most random one ever. It was Purple Rain, uh, the California Raisins Christmas special, and the Lost Boys. <laughs> <Wow. Wars. laughs> so every time I wanted to watch the every time I wanted to watch the Lost Boys, I had to fast forward through Purple Rain and the California <laughs> Raisins. And then when I got older, like I got to be about like ten or eleven, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch Purple Rain. <laughs> And it was cool. And I'm like, all right, this music's awesome. Like, this is Bro, how, this is it. How dare, how dare you skip the California Raisin? <laughs> Are you kidding? I still watch that. I still watch that at Christmas time. Well, ironically enough, uh, you know, Morris Day uh, was recently at uh, Mercer County Park here in uh, in New Jersey, um, maybe like two weeks ago. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing, Morris Day. And uh, I don't know if it was Mars Day with the time or some people from the time, but it was pretty interesting to see that. That's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we're talking about we're talking was... about the Purple Rain album, but it, you know, the first single, When Doves Cry, when I heard it on the radio, I lost my mind. Because oh, that's it was those songs. The, fir- the, the first time you didn't hear any bass. He he there was no bass tracks on that song whatsoever which was totally unheard of at that time. Oh, I mean, I mean, let, let's be real. Like we keep uh, is a common theme is that uh that Prince transcends genres. But if you but if but you know, Prince was always in the funk R&B um family realm and to not mm-hmm. have bass is like that. <laughs> unheard of, like, yeah. That's, that's unheard of. That is completely unheard of. And that that's one of those songs, if I had heard it for the first time on the radio, that, that would have been one of those, what did I just hear? I can't leave my... Because remember, this is before Shazam or being able to just Google lyrics yep. to find out yep. what a song is. That would be a, I have to wait for the DJ to tell me what I just heard moment. <laughs> and then also, also on that album, I remember uh, hearing, uh, you know, Darling Nikki on the album. Uh, air, you oh, know, and, darling and, Nikki, we're going yeah. darling Nikki. We got to go right. darling Nikki. We got to talk. So I remember hearing it, and I was like, okay, yeah, you know, and and um, you know, obviously in the in the movies, writhing around on the stage, you know, uh, trying to make a point uh, in in the movie, and um, at the end of the song, as you all know, you just hear like, well, you just hear like a bunch of stuff, and I go, what the hell is that? And, you know, having a direct drive turntable, I'm like, sounds like something backwards. So, of course, I sat there, spun it backwards, and basically, you know, it says, hello, how are you? I'm fine. There's like a whole little, um, you know, speech from him, kind of like an intro, which which was kind of cool. And I remember, you know, friends of mine come over and I go, you got to check this out. Because back then, that was kind of <laughs> like a cool thing. And it was like... You know, and I play it backwards and go, oh, wow, is that on the album? I'm like, yeah, it's on the album. So kind of a cool, unique thing at the, at that time. You know, as, as as great of a song Darling Nikki was, it was one of those songs that definitely pushed the buttons and and started the whole rating thing on, uh, on CDs. People lost their minds over this song. That's why I was like, yeah. oh, we're talking about <laughs> Darling Nikki. People lost their minds over this song. But you have the stuff that's on Dirty Minds where he 
talks about head. He talks about incest. No one paid attention to that, but darling Nikki comes Not out. And all of a sudden no, it's a big thing. You're, a, you're. He was. He, I mean, when that was when when you're talking about Dirty Mind, that's that's when he's up and coming, Prince. Now he's here's the difference. Superstar. Yeah, that was a big star. People, and, people are hearing this. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, I mean, we we talked about 1999 selling four million records. How many how many mm-hmm. copies of Purple Rain were sold? Let's take a look here. 20, 30. Gonna, oh, easy. Yeah. Thirteen in America. Okay. Thirteen well, in America. It had to be what? World worldwide. 25, 30, worldwide, 30 worldwide, worldwide. World, worldwide. It sold twenty-five million copies. Yeah. There. There you go. Yeah. I mean, this, that, this that is makes another. Sense. This is that's another level. That's another level. That right. Once he you, was once more you, mainstream you, too at that point. Once you, once you're in, once you're in, uh, ten million copies, uh, mode, you get a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, attention from the family focus groups. <laughs> Very well family said. Focus groups, those family focus groups, yeah. they really like to put a target on Prince's back. It's ridiculous. Like I said, we That's took crazy. Like, like I said, we took we took we we definitely took a step backwards culturally, and that was that was a big that was a thing, man. That was a thing. It's like. We embrace the the 80s. We embraced prudism. <laughs> it was like a thing. Let's let's smash these copies of this record. They promote this. Anything anything that anything that was considered to be dangerous towards the kids. Guess what? Kids are gonna be okay. Kids are gonna be okay. My, it's like I listened to Prince. My mom never cared until they made a big deal <laughs> about. Darling Mickey. And then my mom was like, wait, what are you listening to? Look, it was just, it was the same, not to bring up video games all the time, it was the same thing when Mortal Kombat came out. My parents didn't give a shit about any video game I ever played. And then there was that whole controversy about Mortal Kombat. Like, oh, you can't have it. I mean, I still got it. It took me a little longer, but it was like, you know, you have no idea what's happening. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Everything's fine. You rip a heart out of a chest, head off with a spine. Yep. I know it's exactly. not real. It's a video. Exactly how it was, man. Exactly how it was. Yeah, so after Purple Rain, we had, you know, Prince's Sergeant Pepper of his career with uh, <laughs> with Around the World in the Day. And then even though I was very different from what Purple Rain was, he changed again when we got Parade, um, which gave us Kiss. But Around the World in the Day gave us Raspberry Beret. And, and around the world in a day, and we talked about this in the little Maceo uh, interview, that was just not even out of left field. That was out of the parking lot. Like if, if you were a Prince fan and heard that album, it was nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. I mean, nothing. Wes agree. It was nothing. nothing. John, nothing. Like it was so far off track. And a lot of the Prince fans were like, what the hell is this? Like scratching their head and trying to figure out. Um, and it, it obviously didn't do as well. I mean, obviously it followed a phenomenal album, but it really took a while to gain even like a it's, hit. Like Raspberry Beret wasn't, you know, just jump after somebody. Usually somebody has a mega album. People buy the next album. And even mm-hmm. if they don't love it, they kind of like it enough. This didn't have that same vibe right out the gate, for it, sure. It, it took me a minute. It took me a minute. I remember showing up at Sam Goody the day it was coming out, 
couldn't wait to get it. I thought I was going to get another 1999 or another Purple Rain, and and I got that. And it it, it, it didn't hit right away. It, it it had to grow on me. It definitely had to grow on me. I mean, I like I like the CD. I like the album. I think it's great. It was a definitely different departure from what I was used to, but it didn't hit me right away. But it is funny though that you bring up uh, the fact that it did have a it did have a it did it did have a fallout a bit with with the fans when you when you take into consideration that what did we say Purple Rain sold seventeen million copies in mm-hmm. America, uh, yeah that one sold two. Which two yeah. million double wow. platinum is is a huge deal, but that is just, but it's that is two just million. speaking on the that's just on the star power of Prince. That is just right. he sold two exactly. million copies with the name on the cover of it, the record. It, it, it sold it. two million on that alone, probably because of yeah. how phenomenal the last two albums were. Absolutely, yeah. Like name at that point, it's star power. Like that's what it is. For sure, for sure. Because yeah, it was only a year between Purple Rain and Around the World in a Day. So it was like, okay, you were expecting leftover Purple Rain. And it was, yeah, uh, like I said, to this, day, to this day, that's, to me, that was his Sergeant Pepper error right there. Yeah, and it's funny. It's, it's funny. My friend Jesse will tell you it's the best Prince record. <laughs> he, and he'll swear by it. <laughs> and you're but still friends with him, right? You're still friends. He's a contrarian. Oh, okay. He's a contrarian. He's a contrarian. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Listen, this uh, is one uh, Prince album I listened to the whole thing on, and it it was certainly weird. Certainly weird listening to that whole oh, album after sure. Prince and uh, after uh, 1999 and Purple Rain. It was certainly different, but I didn't think it was bad. It's kind of like Wes is saying. It was, oh, it was pretty good. Plus, look, I, Raspberry Beret is a great song. Like I really, really do enjoy that song quite a bit. Yeah, and it's a song okay, that well, was meant to. I mean, that song was meant to be a. Uh, was meant to be a radio hit like you know for like, sure yeah, it, it definitely singy songy kind of tune for sure you know so we're all like music guys so and i'm sure we're all beatles fans so what was your first reaction when you heard sergeant pepper's lonely heart club band it was, it was different it was really different from what we were used to prior well that's kind of the beatles took- i grew up on i had i had that was like my parents that was the that was that was the beatles that my I, Revolver and On is kind of like what my parents brought me up on. You know, I, I it was later when I got into the, you know, the the, the what I what I consider to be like my Beatles. You know, I want I want to hear the pop songs. I want to hear I want to hold your hand. <laughs> you know, my uh, but my it was the, my my parents Beatles was kind of Revolver On, Revolver, okay. Rubber Soul uh sergeant peppers abbey road you know the, the later stuff that's what i grew up on so it wasn't uh a crazy uh transition you know, now now with that said when i when i when i heard the white album for the first time that was even for me like whoa this is kind of cool it sounds like a radio station to just keep switching channels because every song sounds like a different uh sounds like a completely different band and i and i totally dig that but that's uh now i'm going off topic here <laughs> We brought up the Beatles, so I had to chime in. And then we go to from that to Parade, which gave us Kiss, which interestingly was the second song he did with no bass line. Hmm. Well, it worked for him the first time. And it worked again. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it worked again. Like, it worked again. It was like, oh, I tried that crazy thing and it worked, so why not? <laughs> 
Well, he was never afraid to, you know, go off into a different, uh, take a different path, which, you know, there's no, definitely musicians he, that are what, but he, you know, he'd be like, this is what I want to do. Like he was about him doing his own thing, which in and of itself was important. He was not about the formula and absolutely the form. And I think formula, I think formulatic thinking where if that's the word I'm looking for is <laughs> kind of the, um, I, I think it's, I, I, th- I think it, I think it kills kind of all art. Like it, it, uh, it's definitely the downfall of some artists for sure. Like uh, that, that annoys me. Um, uh, uh, as Matt knows, we did an episode. I'm, I'm a massive, I'm a massive beach boys fan. And when the beach boys did all their really good, creative, awesome stuff, Mike loves fighting hit tooth and nail. No, we have to stick to the formula. We have to stick to the formula. And that's why they're out making money at casinos now in front of like, you know, boring, lame crowds because it's just like, we're just going <laughs> to stick to the formula. Prince was never about the formula. Formula nah, kills art nah. and Prince is an artist. And if you're, if, if you want to go back to doing something that you did before that worked, it should be because you're inspired to, you're feeling it that day. It shouldn't be because you're feeling pressure to make a hit record because then it's just not, because then it's, it's, it it might, it might sell some copies, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't, you know, so Prince, Prince constantly wanted to uh, evolve and that's, that's why he's the best. And then, yeah. And then he did it again in 87 with sign of the times. Yeah, that's Son of the Times is my Son of the Times is my favorite my favorite Prince record. That's that really? to me is uh yeah, that's that to me is and it's and I do think it's kind of uh it's it it almost kind of fits as like I shouldn't say a bookend of 80s Prince, but it is kind of like the bookend of that run of uh of records he had there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like his opus. Because uh, after Son of the Times, we're going to get into the next that thing that Matt was talking about a little earlier. Right. Yeah. Because um, in 97, that was the first time I actually I met him. Um, I knew someone who knew someone of his circle and Prince's circle. And Prince was known for doing these these hit and run tours or, you know, these hit and run shows. It's like you wouldn't know where he would be until like that day. And if you were in the know, you knew where to go. So I knew someone and he got me into to one of his shows in New York um, in, in, a, in a club. And it, it, I, I I was a total fanboy. I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. Um, you know, you had, you know, 17 year old me just kind of <laughs> losing his mind. But it was he was very nice. He was very, very pleasant. So you got to meet uh, him this day. I met him for the first time that day. Yes, it was great. It was great. Yeah, I heard stories about that where like Prince... Prince would be on tour and he would play like, say he'd have four sold out shows at Madison square garden. Mm-hmm. And then um, if you went over to the beacon theater after the gar- after one of the garden shows, Prince would do a post show show. <laughs> like, yeah, that was, that was, you know, like the after party is another Prince show and you'd have to find out about it through somebody who knew somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He there was a lot of those. Like you would see him, like you said, you would see him at the garden, or you would see him in an arena, and then two hours later, after the show ended, he would 
show up at a club and play a whole nother concert. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It's yeah, like and, you know what, and you know what? And that's one of those things too, though, because it's like, um, you know, Springsteen's famous for doing that. And it's one of these things where rumors start. Like, so, like it, w- it would be like somebody at work would be like, yo, Springsteen's playing at Joe Pops tonight and shit bottom. And you're like, so you go to you go to you go to Joe Pops and there'd be like 400 people there to see some crappy Jersey Shore cover band. I've been there. I've been with my mom to see like, I don't know, whatever the hell their name is, Jersey Shore cover band. And they're like, oh, big turnout tonight. Yeah, because the guy in the what have you's uh, spread a rumor that Springsteen was going to show up tonight. And I bet you a lot of that happened with Prince. <laughs> I bet you that was like yeah. a common thing. Yeah. yeah. Some of, a lot of it turned out to be false, but like I said, if you were in the know, you knew where to go. Yeah. Yeah. That, you that's have, awesome. I you love that. Kind maybe, of stuff. maybe a day notice if that, or a few hours. So did you get to talk to him for a little while, Wes? Like, what did you ask him? What did you guys talk about? Or was it more just, hey, how's it going? Thank you for, you know, the show. Because it just depends. Like, I've met, I've met famous people a bunch of times. But most of the time, it's like, you know, thank you for your music. It's, you know, it's it's awesome. I really appreciate everything you've done. And then that's it. No, that Oops, time I was made the mistake total... of challenging him to a game of one-on-one. And... <laughs> 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 I could take myself. I could Game. Blouses. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was good stuff. No, I uh, I was I was the starstruck little snot nosed teenager <laughs> that didn't that really couldn't say anything um, that time. I so met you- him later on a couple times after that I actually spoke. Well, I was just telling them, um, you know, another time like later on during like his Diamonds and Pearls run. Uh, at Tower Records in New York, the girls, he had two girl dancers, Diamond and Pearl. Um, they were doing like meet and greets and a few of his band members were there, you know, and afterwards, if you hung around long enough, whoever hung around, they kind of said, hey, we're going to the Limelight, which was a club in New York. If you guys want to come, you know, you're more than welcome. We can go hang out and party and stuff like that. And then sure enough, we go and he was there like chilling. He didn't play. He was just kind of there just hanging and observing and but i was i spoke to him then a little bit very very nice very very pleasant you know he, but he he still kind of stood off he wasn't like right next to you like hey you know this is you know what's up but it was just it was it was nice it was nice just being around him i was good that was good enough for me man <laughs> oh i'm sure all right so the next thing we were going to discuss um, this is going off, uh, not off the uh, soundtrack that we made for you guys from Spotify, but this is a, a bootleg album, which, Frank, I think, believe you brought this up when we were discussing this earlier, uh, the Black Album. Don't remember. I don't Black think Album I did. Bootleg? Okay. Yeah, so. Oh, that was West, West, I think West yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, I know about it, but I think West bought yeah. that up. It was like uh, right after the Sign of the Times, even though it's great. As Sign of the Times was, it was Grammy nominated, the whole bit. Uh, a lot of the critics felt that Prince was losing his funk. So to prove them wrong, he did a, an album that initially was called The Funk Bible, uh, which turned out to be the Black Album. 
this that's one of my favorite albums. I loved it. And was that's like when I kind of got bootleg though, or is this just what he no, labeled it as a bootleg? It was it was it he it, it was done, completed, ready to ship, and at the last minute he pulls it off. He's like, Nope, this is I don't want this released because he felt if the, if he something happened to him, if he died, he didn't want to be remembered by that because it was he was very angry at the time. Gotcha. Uh, I think it's some of his best music. I loved it. Um, but that's when once he did that, that's when it started circulating that, hey, there's this bootleg that Prince did. And that's first introduced me to bootlegs because there was uh, like a trade magazine um, of just like of music. And you can kind of do like pen pals of people of various artists. And I hooked up with one guy. And he he was like, hey, you know, th this is I have the black album. I'll send you a copy. But that was like my first introduction to bootlegs because everybody knew it existed, but no one knew how to get it. Gotcha. Yeah. And try finding it now. See how much you would have to pay. Yeah. Well, eventually, after his fight with Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers did finally put it out officially, but in very, very limited run. Very limited run. And as it's a just record a or a CD or a tape? Like when Both. they put it out, what was it put out as? Both, all out. three. Uh, all yeah. Three. Gotcha. All three, yeah. That was like the start of like the whole Prince bootlegs. That was like one of the most widely bootleg albums at the time. Yeah, we sold them at my we we sold we sold it at my store in LBI. Our uh, <clears throat> that's all we pretty much sold was bootlegs. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a very big Prince bootleg uh, section. Oh, man, I live for those bootlegs. I live for those bootlegs. I don't know if it was out of print or if it was actually a bootleg, but I got it, – it was definitely out of print at the time, so I don't know how you guys had it, but I, I visited your record store when I was younger, and I got I got in, uh, Garage Days from Metallica, like the, the original version of that, on a CD. And I'm pretty sure it was probably a bootleg, but it, it might have been it like – It was a bootleg. Okay, awesome. Bootleg. That's what I thought. I was like – when I bought it, I was like, I don't know that this was a real CD. I was like, but – it's awesome that I got it because I didn't know that the, they were still making it on CD because it was just, I think it was just a tape before, but that was cool to have. Oh, that definitely started my obsession with bootlegs. That I was, anything I can get my hands on Prince related, um, unreleased stuff, it was, that was it. That was my mission. Yeah, Prince was one of those artists though that like, I, I, I remember working at the record store, Prince bootlegs were one of those artists that were, really like they were the ones that were really sought after obviously you had your grateful dead bootlegs that were that were real big uh metal metal bands always had huge bootleg collectors but uh prince was one of the ones people would come in regularly for yeah because we talked about his vault and at that time that's when the vault rumors really started to circulate and then once the bootlegs hit you you saw how much music was out there yeah, I mean, they're, like like I said, that's why it's always it shocks me that stuff still like hits that you that uh, never saw the light of day before because Prince bootlegs were a thing, so there were leaks from that vault, but not not you, you not the full thing, <laughs> not the mm -hmm. full thing. We're still getting stuff. Prince is going to put Tupac, Johnny Cash. He's going to put them all to shame with the uh, <laughs> with the post with the post mortem release. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I that. Now, 
the next thing we're going to discuss, I can't think of anything more West than this. You have Prince, obviously, we've been talking about that the whole time. And you have Wes's other favorite thing, Batman, combining together for Batman 89. Wes, what did you think about this? Man, as a comic book fan, I was so happy to see Batman on on the screen. And then I heard Prince was doing the soundtrack. <laughs> Man, I lost my mind. <laughs> and when I heard Bat Dance for the first time on the radio, oh man, it was great. It, it it had that Batman sound to it. It was yeah, it was so it was great. It was fantastic. See, I love that Wes is into it because you know what? The Batman soundtrack is one of these uh is it's one of it's not uh Prince's greatest critical moment. Uh, a lot of people pan the Batman soundtrack. I personally think it's awesome. I personally like it. I think it fits the vibe of the movie perfectly. And it's just cool. Like, I mean, I mean, uh, the Joker, you know, doing his little strut around that, uh, around that museum. (laughs) It's perfect. It's perfect. And, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of people knock it. I think it's, I thought it was kind of awesome. I never thought Prince would do a soundtrack. So it was like, I got Batman I kept my fingers crossed that Prince would do a James Bond song, but he never did. Hmm. Huh. All right. You know what? That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I think you would have had to make a cameo in the movie just because all those old James Bond movies were sexual also. Like, you would have had to play <laughs> some sort of part in the movie at some point. Oh, Prince could have been a Bond villain. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Prince totally could have been a Bond villain. I, I can picture that. I can picture him as a Bond villain. This is making the face with his eyes. You know him. Mm, he can make one of those Prince faces and be like, "Ah, oh, there's yeah. a Bond villain right there." Yeah. Oh, you figure if what, if, uh, what Remy Malik can can be a Bond villain? There Prince you go. Could have too. <laughs> Dude, Prince would have killed it as a as a Bond villain. <laughs> What would his weapon be? Offering Bond a sifter of brandy. Like, that would be great. Would you like some brandy, <laughs> Mr. Bond? Oh, yeah. I, can I retroactively make this movie? <laughs> I need When I, I mean, get my time great. machine, I'm going, I'm going back and getting Prince involved in a Bond You can project. get something from the vault and just make it fit into a Bond movie. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff left. That's going to be something that's going to pop out of the vault. It's going to be like... <laughs> It's good. No, it really is. They're going to be like, wait, Prince has an entire uh, record of demos that that were uh, Bond movie submissions. <laughs> Don't get Wes all write, excited here. He didn't. He didn't just write one Bond song. He wrote thirty of them. Is it? It's probably in there somewhere. I never meant to cause you any sorrow. And Wes is like, oh man, that goes. I'm in. I can only wish. I mean, because he did a lot of obscure stuff um you guys remember the pepsi song with with i think it was ray charles singing like you got the right one baby yeah oh yeah, my of god course. that was a, that was a pop culture phenomenon and i and uh, i always say that you can you can um you can credit pepsi for a whole generation of ray mm-hmm. charles fans prince i don't know if prince wrote that i have a version of prince singing that song it's crazy <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, didn't know that. So I don't know if he wrote it 
for that purpose and Ray Charles sang it or Prince just took it and made it his own. But yeah, I have a copy of him, of that version of Prince singing that song. It's crazy. That's so random. <laughs> <laughs> so for the record, he didn't write it. I just looked that up. He didn't write it. I had to look it up, John. We're thinking okay. on the same thing here. Peter <laughs> Cofield says uh, wrote that, so maybe it's a pen name. Yeah, Peter Cofield, aka the artist formerly known as Prince. No, no, <laughs> no, but Prince did his own version. I'm on the uh, on the PrinceVault.com. Uh huh. He did a version of Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm going to be checking that out when we're, we're done <laughs> recording here. That's right. Now I'm trying to think of what other commercial jingles I want to hear Prince do. Maybe they're in the vault. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Prince has a version of the Mentos song. The Fresh Maker. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say no on that one. No, but that would be awesome. That would be yeah, awesome. It, <laughs> it really would. So if you guys have followed along with our soundtrack, next is going to be Diamonds and Pearls. Uh, the song Get Off, uh, we have listed before that. Uh, how do you guys feel about this track? I loved it. It was a track he released on his birthday to, to clubs, to select clubs only, to play this song. Uh, and, and and what made Get Off famous was the MTV Music Awards where he did his butt out jeans, his butt out pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's the song he was singing on stage. Oh, man. Yeah, I included a, a picture of that in the little Maceo uh, edit that I did. I didn't, I didn't realize it was from that song. That's that awesome. was the song. <laughs> Followed years later by Marilyn Manson do a very similar thing with the... Uh, <laughs> Assless pants. Whenever somebody shows up with assless pants, I you got to talk about it, right? <laughs> but uh, I mean, Di- the Diamonds and Pearls CD was, I guess, his first resurgence because he kind of cooled off. But then the Diamonds and Pearls CD was dropped, and it became a commercial success. Warner Brothers was like super happy, all over again. Yeah, I do like the song Diamonds and Pearls itself. Like, that's an excellent song also. Yeah, the CD itself, I, I overall, I enjoy. I mean, there's maybe one or two tracks that I'm really not crazy about. But I, I know Cream was another single. Um, Cream, yeah. Not, not one of my favorite songs, but it was hugely popular. It was all over the radio. But Get Off was it for me. That was it. After this, uh, Prince is changing his name to a symbol. So I'm guessing... You guys tell me, was this before the artist formerly known as Prince and then the symbol came? Or what was the order of that? The symbol album came out first. Okay. And then he just kept that symbol. And then when he changed his name, that's what he changed it to. Okay. And then eventually he went back to Prince. Eventually he went back to Prince. And he changed his name because he was in, in a war with Warner Brothers over yeah. his, his, his masters. He wanted to own his material. Mm. And Warner Brothers was like, no, we own it. 
So, and that's when he changed his name and kind of did his own thing. And that's when he wrote slave on his face because he felt he was like a slave to the system, to Warner Brothers. Um, and that was the third time I met him. I call that a work because Prince was and his band were showing up and doing a meet and greet at Tower Records in, in the village in New York. And I, 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 I'm in line. And then don't you know the news, the local news station showed up to like interview people to say, yeah, Prince is here. You know, let's talk to some of these people. <laughs> I thought I was, was going to die, man. I, I had to hide. I'm scrunching down. I'm like, oh, my God, my boss sees me. I'm fired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was like that time that Metallica played that free concert in the uh... – the parking lot of what is now Wells Fargo. And it was like during a weekday afternoon, it was like Wednesday at three o'clock, come to the free Metallica show. And uh, a bunch of kids that went to my high school all got busted because they were on TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Did you get caught West? Did you get away with it? I, I didn't get caught. I did. I got away with it. You know, he signed. Uh, he signed. Um, there was a magazine. I think it was a, a spin magazine um, that did an article on Prince. So he signed his picture for me. Um, you know, I framed it, you know, and I had each of his band members sign the picture. And I actually had a chance to, like, talk to him. And like I said, you know, I told him, I don't care what anybody tells you. I'm your fan. I'm your number one fan right here. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I just saw a movie called Misery. And uh, I don't want to speak to you anymore. Nice. <laughs> it would have been out around that time. <laughs> it would have. Probably was right around that time. That was good times, good times. But that's, at that point, he came out with um, his own lay, his own record under his symbol called The Gold Experience. And that gave us The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, which was huge and popular. That's a great song. Hugely popular. He really did put out good stuff during this time, but Prince on the mainstream level was not where he was 10 years earlier. Definitely not. Which I, but... which is what I always find fascinating because to me, the 90s were a time, like when I just think of like the other artists that were big during the 90s, there was a place for Prince to fit into you know, MTV's uh, video rotation. But it just seemed like radio and MTV didn't have the uh, the time for Prince they used to have. And it, it never it never made sense to me. Like, I could totally see Prince on the Lollapalooza tour. Like, that would totally... Like, all those people would go crazy for Prince. They just didn't know it because Prince wasn't being promoted to, to this, to this right. new uh, audience. Nope. And I, I always find that very strange. Like, if you look at even in 19, I was just looking at his, um, his, his tours from as recent as 1992, he was doing three sold out nights at the spectrum. And then in 1995, he's playing Roseland and the electric factory, mm-hmm. which, which you, you know what? Sign me up for that show to see yeah, Prince at uh, the, the electric factory and the tower. Like that is awesome. But yeah, he, you guys he, don't know the Electric Factory holds about approximately five thousand people or so, so it's 3, extremely 3, small. I'm sorry, thirty five hundred. There you go, thirty five hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh but, man, I remember seeing him I mean, at the Electric Factory. Man, that was that was such a a great great show. That was such a great show. 
And I almost have to think that, that, I mean, that is probably a lot of Prince's doing that he wasn't the, uh, you know, the, the, the cultural icon he had been 10 years earlier. I think he probably was like, you know, I don't want to be on TV every day anymore. I'd rather play at the electric factory than play, you know, jam packed arena. Mm hmm. You know, yep, like yep. going back to roots of sorts, you know? So maybe it yeah, was that, by design. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, you know, I mean, he was in fights with Warner. Maybe, you know, Warner probably had some pull on, uh, on radio stations and TV play. That could have been a thing. I don't know. I never really looked into that. But it just always, uh, it always uh, fascinated me that like Prince in the 90s was, it was almost like, uh, I mean, he was doing great stuff, and we all know that he changed his name to a symbol. We all know about the artist formerly known as Prince. Like, these are, like, kind of pop culture tidbits. But, like, he didn't have, like, the crazy videos that he had in the 80s. He didn't yeah. have the crazy... He wasn't on, you know, late-night TV the way he was before. It's almost like a lost decade from a pop culture standpoint of Prince. And it, 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 I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Um... While I have probably have spent a total of like 10 minutes in my life listening to the bands that were on the Woodstock 99 bill, I have watched every documentary possible about that festival because I just find it fascinating. And they were talking about how on the last day of that festival, there was this rumor that Prince was going to play. And I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, this audience, Prince would go so far over their head. <laughs> like like i don't see the limp biscuit fans being like yeah i want to listen to prince they wouldn't get it true you know it's and like and and to me it's like yeah the 90s now he could have showed up at the woodstock 94 and everybody would have went nuts for him because it was a different it was a different crowd they would have been into it but um it, it just seems like the, the 90s were kind of like this lost period of Prince. Great music came out of it, but it's almost like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be able to tell you anything about Prince in the 90s. There may I be, love 90s Prince. There may be Prince. a connection, though, John. Prince had starfish coffee and Limp Biscuit had chocolate starfish and the whatever the fuck the rest of that title was. <laughs> so there may have been some sort of correlation between the two. Well, when people think of the great musical minds, you think of Beethoven, Mozart, Prince, Fred Durst. <laughs> he, to be fair, he's a good producer. He knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy. Um, but obviously not Prince. Look, I, hey, look, I like Limp Bizkit. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen them live a few years it. ago by chance, and it wasn't like I went out of my way to see them. They happened to show up at the show mm. because they got put on the bill like a week, <laughs> a week before the show went. And they played surprisingly well, and everybody was into it. I couldn't believe it. It, it felt like early 2000s. It was weird. And this was like a few years ago. Yeah, I want to forget yeah. about the early 2000s, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but Brandon, you mentioned, um, you know, Prince playing at Roseland. 
And in, in 97, he played at Roseland and I was supposed to go to that show. And my wife was pregnant with my third child. And she was like, guess what? Uh, my water broke. I'm like, oh, no. I was supposed to go to that show. And I I, I made friends, again, with someone that, that works in his circle. And I was supposed to meet them up there. And uh, I couldn't go. Told him I couldn't go. And my wife gave birth to my, my, my youngest daughter, and who we named Maite, which was Prince's wife at the time. That's how much of a fan I am. She was like, so what, do you, what do you think about this? She's like, I'm sorry you couldn't go, but what do you think about this as a name? I'm like, oh, it's Prince's wife? Not a problem. I'm good with that. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love that. And, and then uh, a couple weeks later, I get a package in the mail uh, with a recording of the show he did at Roseland. And he signed it and said, congratulations on it. So That's awesome. I told my daughter that, I told my daughter that, that story. And so, yeah. <laughs> That rules. That's her. That's her story. <laughs> and, that, and but to me, the, that like I said, like even though like the '90s, like from from the pop culture standpoint, was like a lost decade for Prince. That is so cool that he was out there playing shows at Roseland. Like seeing Prince, you know, seeing Prince at those size theaters had to have been such an incredible experience. Not only that, oh, just yeah, take, taking the time out to do that for a fan, like oh, he had a kid, he couldn't make the show because he had a baby. Oh well. Can, Give me a recording of the show. I'll sign it and send it to him. Like what? Like what a thoughtful thing to do. Oh, that's amazing. Like that? No, that yeah, is man. literally amazing. Literally, literally amazing. But that's Prince. Like, yeah. You no. Know? My my daughter's proud of that story. <laughs> she tells everybody. <laughs> and then now she, as she got older, you know, and I told her the story. She took an appreciation to Prince. Hey, that's the most important thing. There you, you go. That's all that matters. That's <laughs> all that matters. So, John, earlier you were talking about Prince's like kind of coming and going. Wes, what would you consider like his his probably his biggest comeback after you know nineteen ninety nine and uh, Purple Rain? Um, probably in two thousand four. You know, after the success of Diamonds and Pearls, he kind of faded away again. I mean, I still listened to all his right. music, still loved him, but in two thousand four, he came out with Musicology, and I I think commercially. That put Prince back on the map. Every critic raved about that album. You know, they lauded it as his his true comeback. Uh, I remember he did a live show in the Staples Center in California, but he also it was like a Fathom event, and you know we went to Philly to see it in a movie theater. But he was handing out you know if you went and bought a ticket, you got a copy of his CD. Oh, nice. Uh, so. It, it was it was fantastic. It was a great show. It was a great CD, um, and I, I agree. It was definitely one of his best. It was different from his early print stuff because at this point he matured a whole lot. So the musically, it's different, uh, and you could tell it's it's a more mature sounding Prince. Yeah, around that time there was kind of a there was a massive resurgence in uh, Prince interest. I remember, I remember when he did that. I guess it was the Grammy performance uh, with Beyonce and every that was like one of those first like things I remember kind of being like virals. They say like everybody talking about it the next day. Like it was, Oh man, did you see Prince of the Grammys last night? And it was mind blowing. And then that, and then of course he does the, um, you know, the Super Bowl halftime show, which, you know, 
for my for my, I'm usually the I'm usually the old grumpy jerk that's like, can we please get rid of the Super Bowl halftime show? No, I <laughs> I changed too, my I changed my opinion that year, and I said they should just have Prince every single year. <laughs> well, well, the beauty of that was that, um, and I know we were talking about this earlier, that people, you know, obviously the Super Bowl is you know so widely watched around the world and there's people in listen to different types of music that obviously don't listen to Prince. And I think they got to appreciate Prince. I think uh, there was definitely people that maybe crossed over and go, wow, this guy can perform. And, you know, and I, I think that's kind of a cool thing about the Super Bowl. And again, I'm like you, I, I sit there and go, I, I, I want to watch a football game, not a concert. Like if I want to watch a concert, yeah. I'll go watch a concert. So I'm not a big fan of the whole, you know, the whole halftime, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. It's, it's a money thing. But I think the beauty of it was that you probably had some people that got to see Prince that probably never would have watched Prince, except yeah. that he was on halftime of the Super Bowl, you know. Yeah. And, and that, you know, kind of put him further back, you know, back on the map as we were talking about from um, – after he had stepped away, but it definitely also reached out to a wider audience for him as well. Yeah, I remember working with Matt. We were at uh, at EV Games, and we talked about music a lot. We talked about Prince. We talked about Nine Inch Nails, and then Matt always talked about Jack Johnson. If I'm not mistaken, was it Jack Johnson? Uh, I was in college then. I started listening to Jack Johnson then. Yeah, so I was probably pretty into Jack Johnson. Yeah. Then. <laughs> so. Um, and, you know, I was super excited that Prince was playing the Super Bowl halftime show. And I'm like, Matt, you got to check it out. And he was like, yeah, all right, all right. Um, so, no, you have to watch it. And then afterwards, we talked about it. And then the song list he did, Matt was impressed. Yeah, Matt. Um, that was like, at that point in time, that was the best. That still is probably, it's certainly my top three. I'd have to go back and, like, see which ones I saw to remember which ones are the best ones. But that one stands out by far. That. If I had to guess right now, that's the best Super Bowl performance I've ever seen. Like it's, it was amazing. Everything was great about it. What, like, what a showman too. Like, not only was he, you know, super talented and like, you know, playing and everything. Like, he put on a show for people, which not everybody can do that. You have some really good musicians. You have some like show people who are very good at doing that. But he did it all. Everything. It didn't and matter. And let's be real. Let's be real. The guy was is so damn talented that he got it to rain. <laughs> While he was playing Purple Rain, yeah. I mean, only Prince can do that. I know a lot of people were like super surprised he pulled out Foo Fighters, you know, yeah. and kind of made it his own, which was, and it was, a, it sounded good. Yeah, I mean, he he's super talented. He could probably make just about anything sound good. Like, give him a few minutes to think about it, and he'll probably figure out a good spin on anything. But, like, it was just an odd choice. I didn't expect for him to pull that out, and he did. And I was, I was like, okay. He went there. Yeah, and, and you know what? And like the produ- I got to give the producers credit because it was like, yeah, there was this resurgence in Prince. But at the same time, it's like it still has been a long time since Prince was, you know, the biggest star on the planet. And... It hit, it really, really, really hit. Like, there wasn't anybody, you know, a day later questioning 
the NFL's uh, decision to, to make Prince the halftime show. No, no, they was. weren't like they weren't like they weren't like. See, Gus was right. We should have had Creed. You know. <laughs> it was like, no, you made the right call. You made the right call, and 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 you know that summer when he toured, he was doing multiple nights at arenas again. It was yeah. two nights at the Wells Fargo center. It, you know, it was, he was playing and in some, in some areas playing stadiums. I think there was a two pronged thing though. Right. Cause you have the older audience like that re- remembered him like, Oh man. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe I forgot how good he was. And then the Super Bowl also brings in a whole new audience of younger people right. that have never seen him before. And like, Holy shit. Who is this guy? Yeah. Who's this guy? Right. And then I think that's what probably propelled him you know, to be able to sell out arenas again. We've talked about uh, shows that you regret missing. My biggest, my biggest one, my biggest one. I'll never forget it. It would have summer of 2004. Yeah, it would have been summer of 2004 or summer of 2005 was one of those two. I had just gotten done work for the day and my phone's ringing and I see it's my friend, Nicole. And I'm like, oh, I'll give her a call after I wake up from my nap. Get done my nap. Hey, Nicole, what's up? You know, I saw you called. Oh, yeah, Johnny, I, uh, I, had, an extra, I had an extra ticket for uh, Prince. I wanted to see if you wanted to go. Oh, man. <laughs> and if you remember, the, that tour was like blockbusters. That thing sold out like rapid fire. Man. And mm-hmm. I didn't get... And then, and then if we're, to, to go a little further... Then, if you remember, a couple of years, I guess a couple of years before he passed, he did that piano tour where he was just playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was offered to go for that. And I was like, as much as I'd love to see that, I don't want to, I don't want my first time ever seeing Prince being that, you know, because, oh, yeah, there. I'm the beggar that can be a chooser. And I didn't go and I've never seen Prince. And it kills me all the time. It's one of those ones I think, mm-hmm. I think about that at least once a week. Yeah, that was the one show I'd missed. Um, was the the piano and a mic tour? I, I just I I was I missed it. And, it and was, I'm sure it. it was awesome. I'm sure it was awesome. But I didn't want that to be my first time seeing Prince. I'm like, I don't want my first time seeing Prince to be an instance where he doesn't pick up a guitar and shred. Right. Yeah. But I that's that. but that's stupid. I should have went. I should have went. You don't turn down opportunities like that. Don't do it. That's a that's a lesson to all you listening. If uh, somebody offers you a ticket to something, <laughs> go. Get selective. Just go. Uh, a couple quick stats here for you guys. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame 2004. That was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, during the introduction video, they uh, gave him a guitar, and he played "My Guitar Gently Gently Weeps." People raved about this performance for years to come. It's absolutely incredible. And that was always my, yeah. I, I, I want to thank YouTube because um, I remember when I would tell people that was always one of my things. Like when we would be talking about like greatest guitarists and pre Prince resurgence, I would bring up Prince and people would go Prince really? Like it was, it wasn't something that crossed people's minds. And to me it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, Prince is legitimately one of the greatest guitarists who's ever lived. And then after that uh, Hall of Fame induction, it was really easy just to show somebody, be like, "Hey, look at this." Yeah, that was that was that was a performance, and and people still to this day talk about how great it was. You know, because he's up there on stage with other 
inductees like Tom Petty. And it was just Prince did his thing. <laughs> and they let him. Oh, yeah. And that, that's the other uh, thing, like when we were t- I was talking about, like, how Prince is also not, you know, not just this classically trained musician, but he's also an artist and improviser to the ultimate extent. Usually when somebody takes somebody else's solo, it doesn't have the same feel, you know, like, cause it's like, you're just kind of redoing something. Prince made that 100% his own. And it is just, it's pure, it's, it's pure art. It doesn't sound like some guy who's just really good at guitar. It sounds like Prince Prince is making music with existing music. So if anybody has never seen it, I definitely highly recommend going on YouTube and checking it out. You know, it was the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2004. Um, just type in like Prince, uh, My Guitar Gently Weeps. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. You won't regret it. And For I am sure. shocked that the outfit that Prince was wearing in that video did not become like a Halloween costume for like a popular Halloween costume. It is an awesome uh, getup. It is an awesome well, yeah, getup. But he had like a suit on and had his red a red hat on. Yeah, yeah. Like that would that would like if you if you wore that to if you wore that to a Halloween party, people would be like, yo, the prince wait, oh, <laughs> the weeks. All right. All right. It would be it would be it would be popular. It'd be popular. Also. No, Matt, there's no picture of me in that outfit. I, there will be one day. Now that the idea is in your head. That man did have... that. You know what? He had some awesome fashion sensibilities that he is the only human on Earth that could pull off. Oh, correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. correct. Him and Wes. I gotta get some photos. <laughs> You'll never see him. One day. <laughs> So uh, before Prince passed away, he ended uh, up with five U.S. number one singles, 15 worldwide number one singles, eight worldwide number one albums. Prince passed away on April 16th, 2016. I know Wes is going to have a lot to say about this, but um, before Wes speaks, does does anybody else have anything to say, uh, you know, remembrances about that day? My my two cents was I just heard it happen. I couldn't believe it because he was, you know, obviously – young he was not old at all which was shocking to me yeah i mean i I remember hearing about it and just yeah i mean like you said matt it was kind of out of nowhere and uh you know there's nothing really going on where he was you know sick or anything like that and it was just yeah i mean um i mean that's about it from my end uh you know it, it having a bunch of his music and going through his whole career and seeing all the different, uh, different stages of his career. I was, was, and always will be a fan. And, uh, you know, uh, I look forward to eventually when, when the stuff does come out of the, uh, uh, the vault, so to speak, you know, the beauty of, of music is when great musicians leave us, we can still always listen to them. I was listening to some print stuff, you know, about a week or two ago, you know, from my, my collection of stuff. And uh, I still enjoy it. Well, for me, it was, it was, it was really, really tough because it was actually Prince was actually doing some of my favorite stuff that he'd ever done. A couple of years earlier, he had done that, uh, that album with third eye girl, which 
is mind-blowingly awesome. They were the uh, they were like all-girl backing group that he you know that he uh, recruited for this record. And if you their performance when they did Saturday Night Live, that was awesome. That was like some of the best Saturday Night Live musical guests they had in forever. So it was a really exciting time that of Prince putting out having output and. I'll never forget. I'll I'll never forget it. I was uh, I was in bed with my girlfriend, and she wakes me up. She taps me on the shoulder, and she told me Prince Prince had passed. And mind you, this is just a couple of weeks removed from when she also did the same thing for David Bowie. So, I love you, Stacy. You're the best. But man, uh, some bare bad news there sometimes. <laughs> um, Prince, that was tough, and I remember we went we went to uh, my my uh, friend's uh, bar, my friend Jesse, the one we were talking about earlier, the Contrarian. Uh, we went to his bar because I knew what he would be doing uh, on that night, and he would just be playing nothing but Prince records. And we hung out and drank some beers, and we listened to Prince all night long. And it was everybody was it was it was weird it was like everybody's you know singing along the prince songs but everybody was really sad it was mm-hmm. yeah I re- I'll, I'll remember it like it was yesterday yeah man for me that was that was that was hard that was really hard it i didn't really know he died until my phone started ringing and people who i haven't spoken to since high school are calling me like hey are you okay? You know, we heard what happened. Just checking on you. Because in high school, I was Prince. Like I told you, I wanted to be Prince when I grew up. And everybody knew it. So, I mean, I was just getting phone calls left and right. So I'm like, what are you talking about? And they was like, well, turn on the news. They, you know, there's rumors that, that, you know, they found a body at Prince's estate. So I turned on the news and my youngest daughter, who I named, you know, after his wife, we're sitting there. And they confirmed that he died. And I, I cried. I, me and her sat and cried together. And that hit. It hurt. It hurt hard. Like I, I grew up listening to him. But, you know, M- Michael Jackson died. I, I didn't shed a tear. You know, but growing up, it was either you were either Prince camp or Michael Jackson camp. You know, not saying that it, it was, you know, it was still sad when he died. But Prince died. I was devastated. Whitney Houston died. You know, it was sad. It didn't hit me. Prince hit me. Yeah, that one hit home. That one hit home hard. Maybe I mean, especially because... after you met him a few times. Your daughter exactly. is named after his wife at the time. Like I'm sure all those connections affected you. Exactly. So I, I felt a, a, a somewhat of a connection to him. So that's why it, I think it hit me the hardest. So I was like, wow. But you know, we years later, we went to see. Um, the Revolution, his band from Purple Rain, The Revolution toured in New York at, at Sony Hall, which used to be Webster Hall. And it was a great show. But the minute they played Purple Rain, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Everybody was crying. <laughs> so, you know, people still feel his death, even down to this day. It's it's crazy. Yeah, every time it pops up on like my, you know, my, you know, check your memories feed, I'm like, wow, man, it's the anniversary. And I always, and I always text, I always text my ex girlfriend, like, hey, the anniversary, you know, Prince is passing, you know, because that was like a moment we had, you know. Mm-hmm. No, his music will live on now. 
It will. For sure. And for sure. With his vault, we'll have his music for a long time, as I'm sure those the people who own the rights are going to be, you know, dripping out his music over time to keep making money, which is great for them. But I don't know. I feel very mixed about them continuing to release music that he may not have wanted released to begin with. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I, I, but you know, I am very ha- I'm selfishly happy though that we got the um, <laughs> studio the studio version of uh, Nothing Compares to You. That was, you know, that mm-hmm. was something I always wanted to wanted to hear was like the you know actual uh, Prince recording of uh, you know the Sinead O'Connor and, classic. And, that and he we wrote. didn't even and we didn't even talk about how many different uh, songs he wrote that he didn't do like for other people. Um, you know, the Sinead O'Connor song uh, wrote stuff Bangles. for the Bangles, wrote stuff mm-hmm. for um, Shaka, Shaka Khan, Stevie Nicks. I mean, there's a long list of, of famous songs that a lot of people didn't know came from him, him uh, writing. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll live on in those er- in, in those mm-hmm. songs and he'll live on with his own music that he, that he recorded. And, you know, for some reason, even down to this day, even though they release a lot of his vault stuff, it doesn't sound dated. No, it no. sounds like he recorded it like yesterday. You know, even the old old stuff, it just it does his stuff doesn't doesn't age, which is great. Yeah, which is why which is why I say he could have definitely had an audience in the nineties. It's it's it baffles my mind. You know, it baffles my mind. Madonna survived the nineties. She was huge in the nineties. Feel like yeah. feel like Prince. Prince should have been right there, but you know, MTV and radio stations had other plans, and I'll I'll never get it. Yeah, MTV stopped playing music. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they killed everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for watching this with us, Prince. Here's to you. If people want to follow you, Frank, where can they follow you at? Over at on Twitter at FLD15. Thank you very much, John. Where can people follow you at if they want to keep up with you? On Twitter, SloopJ232, and Instagram, SloopJohn232. Wes, how about you, sir? You can reach me on Instagram at Grendel5XBX. You guys can follow me at from NJ2CA. The two is a number two. Please be sure to follow the company at Nerdthusiast on all social media platforms. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nerdthusiast. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month and everything really does help us out. And we truly appreciate it. Here's to you, Prince. Thank you guys for all doing the show with me. Thank you for your inspiring stories, Wes, about meeting him and discussing, you know, uh, naming your daughter after him, which is quite a thing to do. Definitely appreciate the stories. No problem. I'm going to go party like it's 1999. (laughs) You should, because 1999 uh, was a much better year than 2022. So shit, let's all go party like it's 1999. (laughs) And and my toast will be, Prince, nothing compares to you. There you go. There it is. All right, guys, you all take care. (laughs) 